News came out on Thursday morning that Panthers corner J.C. Horn was set to miss the rest of OTAs and mandatory minicamp. Is it time for Panther fans to start being concerned about the injury history for Horn? I'll tell you right here on Locked on Panthers. You are Locked on Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as the show is in off-season mode until July 17th, where we'll be back to your team every day. The motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Fridays like today, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions either at me or DM me to get those questions in for next week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag right here on Locked On Panthers. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL and when you enter promo code LockedOnNFL they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single one of your orders in. Man, I'm excited. We're here on a Friday one once again, answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on the show. Again, at me or DM me over on Twitter, at Julian Counts to get those questions in. There's a lot of good questions this week, and the first one pertains to the biggest news that we saw on Thursday as the Carolina Panthers wrapped up their last day of OTAs. We'll be back next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for mandatory minicamp. Then it's summer vacation for the staff and the players until the end of July, where we'll be back for training camp ahead of the 2023 season. But someone who did not participate on Thursday and will not participate next week during mandatory minicamps is J.C. Horn. The Panthers' third-year cornerback who was vitally important to the defense, especially after what you saw happen Week 17 and even 18 last year without Horn and Dante Jackson. That unit struggled mightily of Keith Taylor and C.J. Henderson having to step up in those all-important games. None more important than Week 17. Let's just go ahead and call it NFC South title game at Tampa Bay where the Carolina Panthers could not cover Mike Evans. Now, the news came out on Thursday that J.C. Horn would miss the rest of OTAs and minicamp next week with an injury to his left ankle and foot, but is expected to be fully recovered in time for the start of training camp. Remember last year with training camp coming off of that broken foot, he started off on the pup list. The hope is that that will not happen again this year, that he'll be ready to go once they get going at the end of July. Horn suffered the injury while working out on his own last weekend. He was examined on Monday by Dr. Robert Anderson, one of the leading foot and ankle specialists in the country, which is good. No surgery will be required, but he'll be in a walking boot for a few weeks. So not great if you're trying to go to the beach, JC. It's not the same foot, though important that he injured during the 2021 season there in that turf at, what is it, NRG Stadium now in Houston. So that is a positive, while the rest is unfortunate. The hope, though, is that he'll be out of the boot, ready to go, healthy, come training camp, which is all that really matters. Because right now all they're really doing is installs. It's not like competition's going on. Yes, you want a guy to be out there. But Hayden Hurst has missed time. DJ Chark has missed time. I don't think it's something to be overly concerned about. But the problem with J.C. Horn is this ain't the first time he's been injured, and now it's starting to become a trend. And Josh, 
he's kind of feeling that way. He asked me with the, the news of Horn's latest injury, is this season to evaluate his future with the team? No quick moves or anything, but if he can't stay healthy again this year, is it time to start being mindful of an eventual replacement or at least give some serious thought to any kind of big extension? I'd hate to see them give this guy a bag on the hope he can do it for a full season. That is a really good point right now with J.C. Horn and his status here in Carolina. Now, I am not by any means thinking that J.C. Horn is someone that it's time to give up on here in Carolina. Absolutely not, especially when you look at the state of the cornerback room. Like, Dante Jackson has not been healthy the last three seasons. He's coming off of Achilles, and that is scary, especially for a player who uses his speed to his advantage in Dante Jackson. So we'll see how he works with that. After having a turf toe that affected him in 2020, the hamstring at the end of the season in 2021, then last year with the Achilles, we'll see how that works out for Dante. You bring in Eric Rowe, who's a veteran, but he's in his 30s, and then we've seen C.J. Henderson just be an absolute bust of a first-round pick, and that trade was an awful trade so far through the first two years as a Carolina Panther for Henderson. The hope is he can improve under Jonathan Cooley and D'Angelo Hall, the top Cornerback coach and the assistant cornerback coach here in Carolina. Then Keith Taylor, fifth-round pick out of Washington in 2021, has not played all that well. But what are you really expecting out of a guy drafted in the fifth round out of UW? So, yeah, there's concern about the depth and the quality if J.C. Horn is not out there. And he has to be out there for the Carolina Panthers. Now, it's an important year for J.C. Horn. Like last year, was an important year for Derrick Brown to really show that he is someone worth investing in. He had one of the best seasons ever for a Panther defensive tackle by matching the, uh, the franchise record in tackles by from that position group, and that led to him having his fifth-year option exercise. If J.C. Horn is not out there, where his rookie year only played in three games, missed 14, then last year missed a couple games with the rib, then he missed the last two with friendly fire with the wrist injury, Jeremy Chin running into him during that Detroit Lions game. If that doesn't happen then, you know, he's out there, and I think the Panthers are a playoff team. But that did not happen, and he was injured and missed four games last year. He's missed a ton of time, and that is something that obviously should concern a lot of people. But if he misses time again this year, I don't see how Scott Fitterer and Frank Reich and David Tepper and this entire organization can hand him the fifth-year option for 2025 when they don't know if he can be healthy for a full season. Now, by no means am I saying he's injury-prone, and it's – Unfortunate that this happens the same week where J.C. Horn spoke to Joe Person of The Athletic and told him, obviously, I can't control some of these injuries I had. That's nobody's fault here or there. I've got to be available, be on the field, and goals like that, like being a pro bowler and all pro, that stuff will take care of itself with playing good football. And when asked about, are you injury prone, he says, none of that stuff even bothers me because I'm the one out there getting it done. Basically saying, hey, I'm the pro, you're not. I don't want to listen to your criticism. It's just been unfortunate injuries. It's been all bone breaks, no soft tissue or anything, just crack bone, like just crack bones. I can't control that man. All I can do is try to play some good football when I'm out there and try to take all the precautionary measures to stay on the field. Outside of that, it's in God's hands. And certainly it is. Everything is in God's hands. So unfortunately for JC Horn, the broken foot. On the field turf, we already know how the NFLPA feels about that, how players feel about it, the quick turnaround to Thursday night football, even though the NFL is not going to flex games into Thursday, which is absurd because all that matters is the money. The money always wins. That's a life lesson for you kids out there. The sooner you understand that, the better off you'll be. Well, J.C. Horn, that sucked for him. The ribs last year 
clearly must have been cracked ribs. That sucked to miss some time. And then the friendly fire that broke his wrist. How does he avoid any of that? Honestly, how does he avoid it? It's a part of the game. But understanding that the part of the game is, is the injuries and having to play through them. The guy is, I'm not saying he's not tough, because he certainly is. And he probably has played through more than we are even aware of as fans and as me, a podcast host, just covering this team. I am a little bit concerned, obviously, because it's another thing. And I don't know really, you know, is it a twist? Is it a break? What, what, it's not a break. Like, it doesn't require surgery, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh, he's already dealt with a foot issue and is it being an ankle thing, too. Like, you just don't want that to happen. And it's good to hear that he's going, he's working out. And he's trying to stay in shape and improve. But damn, dude, we really need you out there on the field, JC. So, yeah, he's got to stay healthy this year because if he's not healthy again, there's just no way you can exercise that fifth-year option. That's not saying that if he goes out in 2024 and plays well that you don't then try to extend him or at least you know franchise tag him. He's a good player. And the Panthers, they had, a, they had options there in 21. They decided not to take a quarterback. They were going to stick with Darnold. They decided to take J.C. Horn out of all the defensive players in the draft. They wanted him. And Patrick Sertan's been pretty damn good out there in Denver. The guy picked right after him, and he hasn't dealt with injuries like J.C. Horn has. It's just bad luck. And with McCaffrey, as I told y'all, man, it's a game of football. And, and his are more soft tissue, like the hamstring and the quick turnaround, all that kind of stuff. But no one's trying to get injured. These guys try to take care of their bodies. They don't want to be in these situations. As J.C. said, it's in God's hands. And, like, I don't know what you want me to do. It's football. And... The unfortunate thing is you got to be available, and if you're not, then, well, a team can't offer you the kind of money that you could get based off of the talent that you actually have. So I'm hoping that things work out with J.C. Horn, but right now, yeah, it's uh, reasonable to be concerned about his lack of availability the last two seasons and now this new injury that popped up. But I don't think it's time to panic, but certainly sharing some concern is um, – Fairly normal thing for any Panthers fan out there heading into mandatory minicamp next week and then the next couple of weeks with their summer heading into training camp. Uh, next question comes from Tim, who says, after hearing Tommy Trimble and Teddy Bridgewater talking about the non-existent coaching under rule, okay, the coaching was not non-existent. It just was not up to par for the NFL standards. He asks, is the shortcomings of players like Terrace Marshall and YGM due to the coaching staff? Second part is, if the coaching was so bad, do we really need to invest in a free agent pass rusher or rally uh, or really develop the players we have now. Okay, so Marquise Haynes is who he is at this point in time, guys. I pointed out, I think he has 13 career sacks. A guy who has 13 career sacks is not someone that you are going to depend on, that you want to depend on, or really should, especially with a new coaching staff, to be your starter at outside linebacker. Amari Barno, still a young guy, still developing. DJ Johnson, going to be 25 this season. He's a project. There just are not guys on this roster that you should really trust. And I just saw Frank Clark go off the uh, the board with $7.5 million, at least up to $7.5 million to go to Denver. I've already seen Leonard Floyd go off the board this week. Like The Panthers, they're missing out on opportunities to sign an edge rusher that could help them. And Floyd was the guy I felt like could do that, and they decided not to bring him in. We'll see if that bites him in the ass, but last year we saw it. I mean, for 11 weeks, we didn't see anything. Until the final two minutes of that game against Atlanta, where Haynes stepped up. YGM, we haven't seen it. It's been three years. The coaching, I mean, Derek Brown's excelled under Matt Rule. We've seen Jeremy Chin excel under Matt Rule. We've seen what Brian Burns has done with the majority of his career being under Matt Rule in that staff. We've seen plenty of players go out there and perform well. Now, I understand, though, that some of the coaches, 
just were not up to snuff and did not have the experience. Joe Brady, from the beginning, I question, a guy who has never called plays and having known, knowing people who cover LSU and they're in Baton Rouge, when I talked to him, I asked, what's the deal here with Joe Brady? Like, what does he actually do? Oh, okay, he coaches the receiver, so he's not coaching Joe Burrow. Oh, he doesn't call the plays, but he can tell Steve Ingsminger what he thinks he can do? Okay, great, so he's not the play caller. Oh, and he hates recruiting? So I never really understood. I get it. He won the Bros Award for being the top assistant in college football, yada, yada, yada. But I just looked at that, and I was just, okay, he's the hot name. But really, after one year, that's the guy that we're going to hire for an OC job in the NFL. Splash hire, people got excited. I was skeptical. Naturally, I'm a skeptic. Maybe you call it negativity, whatever. It didn't work out. Now, did it? So with that, okay, didn't love it. Phil Snow, ton of experience. That worked out. I mean, think Jeff Nixon was fine as a running back coach. But there's other guys like Pat Meyer, there's the O-line coach, who had NFL background, wasn't good. But also the players on the roster weren't very good. Then they get better players on the roster, a better O-line coach, then what happens? The unit's so much better. So I don't look at it as just being the coaches that are were bad. I mean, the players got to go out there. They got to take care of their bodies nutritionally. They need to work out. They need to study. I don't know what's going on outside of the practice field because that's only a small period of time that they spend inside the building than what they do in their everyday lives. So Terrace Marshall, his problems were been injuries. Then it has been production. Even when he's been out there, well, he did show flashes last year. It's not like he did anything to knock your socks off. And for a new staff to come in here in the same gym, General Manager drafted him to be like, yeah, we're good with Terrace. Because clearly Scott Fitter felt like we need more receivers. Because the guys on the roster, whether you want to blame a receiver and coach or not, just haven't been good enough. In gross mottos, he hasn't been good enough. There's other guys that have played well. And I get it. Everyone hates Matt Rule. I don't even care. The guys in Nebraska, I don't care anymore. And I really never cared when he was here. It's like, whatever. I want the guy to win, hopefully, because if he wins, that's good for me. With the podcast and the numbers in my pocket, it's good for you because I don't have to listen to y'all bitch and moan all the time. So I wanted him to succeed, but he didn't. And when the time came for him to go, I said, it's time to move on. Well, understanding what that meant in the long term for a lot of the guys on the staff and even players in the locker room. But yes, Tommy Trimble pointed out that tight end, that was not an emphasis as far as route running. We know what this offense that is now an emphasis. That was very clear and obvious before that that was not an emphasis. Now, I think the coach now, John Lilly, will help, but the scheme also will help. The scheme that they played before just did not factor into tight end. So hopefully for Tommy Trimble, it will work out. Teddy Bridgewater talked about how, oh, the red zone stuff, they didn't work on it. If you looked at the 2020 season, it was very obvious where they were 29th in the league that they did not work on red zone stuff. So, and those are – Bridgewater's a guy that y'all couldn't wait to get out of here and you were dog cussing out the door. So yeah, rule his staff, they did not have the requisite NFL experience and they certainly had so many shortcomings. But just because the coaching staff was not good does not mean that some of the players that have underperformed are better players and that they it's not that it's the coach's fault. It's so easy to blame the coaching when you can look at the players who play and see that, man, there's something going on where this guy really hasn't done it. And if the coaching staff really felt like Tommy Trimble's ready for a breakout, why did they bring in Hayden Hurst? And right now, Gross Motto, they drafted another guy. And we'll see what they do with the veteran. Like, they'll tell you by their moves. With Terrace Marshall, they already brought in other wide receivers. They're already telling you how they view these guys. And it's not just the coaching staff. It's also just, what are these players doing? So, Yes, the coaching staff was not good enough, but also the players got to take some accountability themselves. And I'm not saying that Tommy Trimble's not. I'm just looking at it. 
you know what? You got to go out there and play. This is your job, too. And if you're not doing well at it, well, you'll get replaced because it's a meritocracy, right? That's how football works. But, yeah, rule, bad coach, understand that. But these players so far, not great players. And I don't think that they are absolved of any of the blame so far the last couple of seasons. All right. Let's take a quick pause. I'll come back here and answer more of your weekly Friday mailbag questions right here on Locked on Panthers. Y'all, it's a simple fact. Bird dogs make you look great. Bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit so much better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs uses an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And by the way, your boy just got some new Bird Dogs. Got these charcoal gray workout shorts, which I love Wearing the gym all the time. I got a pair of blue ones. Got these now. I'm going to be wearing the gym. Love bird dogs. And I'm also right now, you can't see it. Not going to stand up for you. I'm wearing some of those khaki looking shorts. And God, the stretch is so good. And the best thing about bird dogs, too, got built in underwear. Look at this. So soft, so comfy. Love bird dogs. And really, you got to get yourself. Go right now online. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and enter promo code locked in NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. This thing right here with that cool bird dog logo, you can get that. It's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take bird dogs off. I absolutely promise you that. All right, let's get back into it here on the old weekly Friday mailbag on locked on Panthers going over to Jake now and there's trade rumors coming out because uh, teams are saying, hey, is this guy worth it? We got Jake asking, with rumors swirling about Washington potentially looking to move Chase Young, what would you be willing to send for him? The idea here is you'd probably have to pay him or be okay with him walking next offseason for nothing, and your resources are already depleted from the Chicago trade. Additionally, do you think Chase Young is one of those more of a name than a player guys? Edge rusher is the second most important position, but I wonder how much Carolina is willing to commit to the position between paying Burns and potentially Chase Young. And Washington actually has that same issue. They already paid Jonathan Allen. I think it was Daron Payne that they just paid this offseason. And in the same draft class, I believe you have Chase Young. Well, now well now you have, yeah, it's Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Maybe Sweat was the year before, but either way, you got Sweat and Chase Young, both of those guys who are now in contract years and pretty much battling against each other to get a deal in Washington or, of course, get a deal somewhere else in the NFL, but they want to stay in Washington. The commanders already have a ton of money wrapped up on the defensive line, and they probably can't afford to pay both Young and Montez Sweat going into next offseason. So we'll see how that kind of materializes. But right now, yes, Washington apparently is interested in listening to calls. Now, Albert Breer of Monday Morning Quarterback Sports Illustrated wrote on Tuesday that teams coming out of the spring thinking they need more help may make trade calls on Young. It seems unlikely the Washington Brass would move him ahead of a must-win year, but I know they'd be opening open to listening. And that's a really great point because Ron Rivera is going to start Sam Howell, Sun Valley stand up, and also a Tar Heel, by the way. Um, this is a must-win year. And if things don't work out for Ron, he's fired. Probably the last time he's ever had coach, Sam Howell. Probably never gets another opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the NFL again. Big year for everyone up there 
in Washington. Oh, and hi, Marty Herney as well, who's up there in the front office for whatever reason. I guess he's experienced, so I guess that makes sense. So, but whatever, let's move on. So, yeah, Chase Young. I'm not willing to give up anything for Chase Young. Honestly, I'm just not. I'm good. And I don't think a trade's going to happen because it doesn't make sense for Washington to have a guy who shouldn't have been but was the rookie defensive player of the year in the NFL to have him be that good and then have the ACL and have the injuries like that really stunted in the last two years. If I'm Washington, it's the right decision. And Chase Young said, yeah, I'm not really upset about the fifth-year option. Like, I haven't been healthy, and I haven't played well enough, so it makes sense. It's a business, and that's great maturity by him. And he's also a guy who's from the area. And do you think that he wants to leave home? He probably wants to put on for the city. So, for me, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it makes sense for Washington, for Carolina. I don't think it makes sense either when you have other options that are veterans that you can bring in for less. And – also, the possibility that he could walk after a year. Like, I don't want to trade right now for one of these players. That's just – that's how I feel. That currently, I don't really want to trade for somebody, especially when they might not be around for a year. Like, I get it. The free agent market is kind of drying up after watching uh, Frank Clark sign with Denver on Thursday. On Monday, watching Leonard Floyd, the most obvious uh, guy the Panthers could have signed. Uh, sign with Buffalo. You still got Mevlin Ingram out there. You got Jadavion Clowney out there. There's um, Yannick Ngakwe, who probably now looks like the most logical choice for the Carolina Panthers. There's still guys who are available as free agents. And we're seeing that they're not signing for a ton of money. And it's not like Chase Young would cost a lot of money. Do the Panthers really need to be going out there and giving up draft compensation when they already don't have a first-round pick next year? And they're going to have pressing issues as well. And they got to figure out what Burns' contract's going to be. So, and Chase Young's a guy where, what was he drafted second overall? He's going to want to get a bag. If he goes out here and plays well after playing really well his rookie year, he's going to be wanting to get paid a ton of money. And he's more, more likely you'd have to franchise tag him. Is that what the Carolina Panthers want to do? They want to, do they want to put themselves in that situation? You got to think about Jeremy Chin, his contract after this season. If the Panthers want to do that, uh, you got to think about maybe extending Derek Brown. Of course, you got to take care of Burns this offseason. There's so many other guys. And you're trying to go find a wide receiver. There's other players that got to be that Frankie Louvu that need to be taken care of. And that I just don't look at bringing in Chase Young as something that makes financial sense for the Carolina Panthers and even compensation, which we can even kind of throw in there as financial. Now over to Stone, who has a similar question about an edge rusher. And yes, guys, I want an edge rusher. I just don't want someone. And a, a young guy makes sense. But when you already have a younger one, you already have a younger one in Brian Burns. Right now, I'm kind of like, let's draft and develop, which is what they're doing, even though they got a guy who's older than Burns, <laughs> which makes no sense. And then they also, I don't know, whatever, Stone. He says, I've seen some stuff, and I understand we're in on every trade. How about Daniel Hunter from Minnesota to Carolina? Now, Daniel Hunter is 28, entering his final year of a five-year, $72 million extension. He signed with the Vikings before the 2018 season and is scheduled to make just – uh, five and a half million in 2023, according to Spot Track. In 2022, Hunter recorded 65 combined tackles, 22 quarterback hits, and 10 and a half sacks as he returned to a Pro Bowl form after missing 10 games in 2021 due to a torn pec. Now that's insane to me that the Vikings cut Dalvin Cook because running backs don't matter, but they cut Dalvin Cook and now they're talking about they want to trade to Neil Hunter from a team that got so lucky in all those one-score games and is absolutely going to regress to the mean this year and probably even below that when it comes to one-score games this upcoming season. Good thing the Panthers play that team as well. Wild to me that they would get rid of two guys that were really important players for them, but whatever, that's what they want to do, and it could be the Carolina Panthers' benefit. Kind of a similar situation with Chase Young, except he's an older player. 
more proven, but an older player, really, I mean, like he's not that old, but an older player who's going on an expiring deal. And to me, that kind of feels like you could probably get Hunter for like a fifth round pick. But do you want to do that? That's the question. And I just don't know when you have other players that are probably also going to be one-year rentals, why you couldn't just give them the $5.5 million and then you can save that draft pick. That's just kind of how I feel about it right now. Even though I look at it, the missing piece on that defense is that other edge rusher opposite of Brian Burns. Who knows? Maybe that guy's on the roster, as we've seen traditionally here in Carolina. The guy seemingly is never on the roster, so we should not sit here and tell ourselves that's going to be true. That's been a fallacy for years, dating back to Rivera and all the other t- teams that we've had. It's just that doesn't really happen. Where, oh, this guy just steps up out of nowhere. No, it hasn't. Now, Frankie Luva, maybe that's the only guy that's done it, but most of the time, it ain't. So, Bur- so not Burns, but um, Young, Hunter, I don't want to give up compensation. It's just the Panthers need a value draft pick. Fitterer says they got to do that. They have rarely ever done that since he's been here. But I think it's time to actually start doing that, especially after you sold the farm. Not the farm, but you, you know, give up a lot to get Bryce Young. Just doesn't, doesn't work for me right now. There's other guys available who can produce that you can pay and give an incentive-laden deal and not give up a draft pick. So that's where I stand right now. But if those guys got off the board, then maybe I'd be more interested, even though I don't want to give up any more draft compensation. All right, we'll take another quick pause here on the show and come back and answer the rest of your weekly Friday mailbag questions right here on Locked On Panthers. Okay, uh, two more questions here on this weekly Friday mailbag on Locked On Panthers. Again, at me, DM me over on Twitter. Get your questions in. We'll go over to Zan, who says, I know since we have a new coaching staff, we should look at most, if not all, players from the last regime with a fresh slate. But I was curious who you thought is just not that guy. Not to harp on any negatives, but curious of guys you just don't think have it. Obviously, if you to come up to me are Chuba Hubbard, Tommy Trimble, Itorgos Matos, and Terrace Marshall. Even though I really want him to kick ass, I'm sure there's plenty more, so let me know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't look at Chuba as being one of those. Like they and Frank Wright came out and said it, and there's a reason why they brought in Miles Sanders. It's a relationship with Deuce Staley, the running back coach and assistant head coach here in Carolina. It's also that he's a better player than Chuba Hubbard. We've seen Chuba be good for Carolina. When he was a feature back in 21, when Christian went down, like no, he, he wasn't that great. The offensive line also stunk. But last year with Foreman, I thought he played really well, especially in that Lions game. Like I, I think Chuba is a fine secondary back now the problem is if you're gonna have a secondary back you'd like for them to do something more than just run the football you like for them to be able to catch it and so far he has not proven to be much of a threat at the backfield in the passing game which is the thing I think that holds him back the most but Chuba he's fine I don't really look at him as someone who was ever going to come in and be the lead guy like when he was drafted they had Christian McCaffrey and this would have been the opportunity with the new coaching staff but again they favor Miles Sanders, but Chuba will get his opportunities. Uh, Tommy Trimble, as I told y'all um, yesterday, or maybe I said it. Did I say it earlier? I don't know. Every the days just blend. Um, but I think it was, I told y'all yesterday to close out the show. While Trimble's comments were not surprising, and they really it made sense considering what we saw in the field. I just wouldn't look at a guy who wasn't a pass catching tight end at Notre Dame and expect him all of a sudden to be someone who produces like that. Now, he could play in an H-back role. I, I do think that he could be someone who could 
maybe develop into a fine secondary tight end, but I don't think he's going to be as good as Hayden Hurst is. I just don't see that. I mean, Hayden Hurst did it at South Carolina. He's been doing it in the NFL for a while now, and that's such a difficult position to come in and learn and play. And if you didn't do it, I just don't know many examples of guys who in college were not a part of the passing game, like a heavy part of the passing game, who then come to the NFL and to develop into that guy. It just does not happen at that position. So Tommy Trimble is kind of what he is. Is he not that guy? I wouldn't really say that. He's just kind of what he is. Gross Matos just feels like he's not that guy. At this point, he's not a scheme fit. I know Tim Blukabu, the outside linebacker coach, is going to tell you that he's transitioning well. It's June. That doesn't matter at all. Yes, what he says matters way more than me. But still, in June, come on. I don't think that's something we can really be focused on. Now, if he gets to training camp and he's playing well and the same thing with the preseason, then that changes. But again, those games don't matter. They do as far as giving your job. But the win-loss column there, that it's about evaluation. So the Panthers continue to evaluate, and we'll see if they make any sort of moves post-mandatory minicamp or even heading into it based off what they've seen so far with these edge rushers. But I just don't look at Gross Modest as being one of those. A Terrace... I still I still believe in Terrace Marshall as being a solid number two option down the road. But right now, you can't sit there and believe that it's going to happen overnight. And it's not like it's going to happen overnight. But you just can't sit here and believe that, like, hey, he's going to start being that guy. Maybe it happens with better quarterback play, which is what we hope to and expect to get with a better scheme. But they brought in DJ Chark and they brought in Adam Thielen for a reason. Because they needed more receivers. And they saw what Terrace provided for them in the last two years, which really wasn't that much. And, yes, I know the recency bias can tell you, well, you see what he did last the last couple weeks of the last season or last, whatever, 12 weeks of the season. Okay, cool. But that's like 12 weeks out of 34. Not a very big sample size of production, y'all, if we're doing basic math. So can he be better? I think so. He's got to stay healthy, and hopefully he gets the opportunity. But he's, in the guy, he's a guy who's fighting for a job right now here in Carolina as well. And – Oh, I don't know. I mean, Henderson's clearly not that guy. And he's a backup for a reason. And it's not like he's a starter. Like, I think for the most part, you look at some of the starters, like they've proven themselves to be solid NFL quality players. But some of these guys that we're talking about, like we're talking about a backup in Hubbard. We're talking about a backup in Trimble. We're talking about a backup in Rose Models. We're talking about the third wide receiver in Terrace Marshall. It's not like we're talking about top of the line guys. Like, you kind of already answered your question when you brought up those names. Are any of those guys starters? Marshall. But is he the, the main target? No. So that kind of gives you pretty much insight into, you know, where these players stand right now. Now, it's a fresh start. It's an opportunity. Tremble with the new scheme and the new emphasis on actually coaching tight ends. I think he can improve. But they brought in Hayden Hurst to be the main tight end. And Hayden Hurst does a lot of the same things that Tommy Tremble does as far as with run blocking. So how many opportunities is Tommy Tremble going to get when Hayden Hurst can do both? And then Ian Thomas is already ahead of him. We'll see how it works out. Um, but I do think that those players can contribute, except for Gross Matos. Uh, but I don't look at him as being the guy. Um, all right, final question comes over from Panther Time, who says, it's no secret that the Locked On Lions host is not well thought of amidst the uh, Locked On Panthers listeners. In a similar fashion, have you ever ticked off a fan base as a guest on a show? If so, which team? Wow. Um, y'all are really still on this. Like, that was December and y'all still don't like, I and mean, we got to talk to him again this year. So y'all got to get over that. Uh, was it Matt Derry? Was that his name? I told y'all. I had to record with him early because I was going out of town or something. 
And I don't think he was happy that he had to do that because he just got off a fight from L.A. So I think if he was smug, if that's how he came across, I think he was more upset with me than he was about like, oh, I don't believe – I don't – I mean, whatever. Who cares what the Lions have to say about a Panthers team? The Lions are a complete joke. Uh, better now, but they're still a joke. It's the Lions. So, no, I don't I don't know. Uh, the only time – I mean, I've never had random fans like from different teams just come about after listening to me on some like radio show or something be like – whoa, man, like, how dare you say that? Because I don't really go out of my way to say anything about the other team because I'm not really concerned. I'm usually there to talk with the Panthers, so I give that insight. Uh, I mean, there was a Bengals, a locked-on Bengals listener who reached out to me last year heading into the Panthers-Bengals game when we did the crossover, just being like, um, thank you for just being um, candid and honest because, like, the Bengals guys are such homers and yada, yada. It's like, okay, you're you're welcome, I guess. I don't know. I'm just being myself. And But also that – me doing that pisses off Panther fans. I'm, I think I piss off Panther fans every day on this show. <laughs> so I don't know. Because that's just, hey, I, I tell you how I feel. And if you don't like it, well, you can go listen to Jordan and Jake and whatever else they put out there um, from the Panthers and the state media and go listen to all the uh, good, happy-go-lucky, your team's going to be great forever kind of deal, which is a lie because they haven't been to the playoffs since 2017. So I don't really know how anything can be perceived negative when the team hasn't been good since 2017. Now, yes, 2018 was going well until it wasn't going, but come on, let's be honest. I haven't been in the playoffs in 2017. How many good things are really to say? But I, I bring up plenty of positives, but just overall, it's been rough. So, no, I don't know. I can't name a time. Either way, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Pages Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all subscribe for, or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council, where... I will be back once again next Friday to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me to get those questions in. In the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole as always. Keep pounding, and I'll talk to you all on Monday evening.